yourself resting in bed or in your easy chair. Maybe taking a nap. And before you fall asleep, while you're still present and able to realize, all of a sudden you realize you're, you're kind of, you're lifting your muscles, your head's not completely relaxed, you have it up, you're tense. I've done that a number of times where I laid down to take a nap or I was laying back in the, the easy chair and all of a sudden I realized maybe I'm gritting my teeth, maybe I'm lifting my shoulders and I stop and I just, why am I doing that? And I realized that I went to rest and I wasn't resting. Sometimes we think we're resting. We act like we're resting. We're going through the motions. But we're still gritting our teeth. We're still lifting our shoulders. We're still lifting our head. We're, we're still tense. You know what I mean? You've never done that? Have you ever done that? And, and you just kind of shake. I th I'm sure that's why people have you. Just shake. Just, just shake. Now just sit back. You might need to do that right now, in fact. If everybody would just, just shake. Just move your neck. Move your head on your neck. Shake. Now just, just relax. Just sit into it. See, for some of you, that, that's different. That's a picture of what we do spiritually. We hear the promise. We know we're supposed to rest in that promise and just believe God will take care of it. And then all of a sudden, God comes to us and says, why are you all tense? Why, why are you lifting your head? Why, why are you still? That's what you described this morning. The Lord said, rest in me, and yet you were trying to make everything happen. And he... <laughs> and what happened to you is exactly what happens in the scripture to so many when God brings us to the end of our rope we even say some things that we we fear we shouldn't say God I'm sorry that shouldn't come out my mouth but I'm mad I'm frustrated Lord I didn't mean that we say things indicating we are at the end of our rope and that's right where God needed us at the end of our rope at the end of our efforts at the end of my efforts Beverly, would you read the first passage of Scripture? We're in Hebrews, everybody, if you'd like to join us. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, and all of this is from the New International Version. Beverly, first six verses, I believe it is. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as the son over God's house, as we are his house, if indeed we hold firmly 
to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. See, Jesus is greater because he's the one that built the house. The builder of the house is greater than the house. In fact, Jesus, Jesus built Moses. Jesus is greater than Moses because Jesus built Moses. Jesus is greater than the house, the law, and Moses, and all of that because he's the one that built it. This passage says everything comes from God, and Jesus is God. See, Moses was the prophetic model of what God desires in us today as the body of Christ. Everything was to perfection. Everything in the temple was gilded with gold or made out of solid gold. Everything was to perfection. There were no mistakes. It was perfect. It's just like God had ordered it. And in that house dwelt God's presence. That's a prophetic model of you. You are God's temple today. You are perfect. You are solid gold. The workmanship in you is perfect, untarnished. You're, you are, as Nina taught us last week from the scripture, men, you are some sort of work. I'm, I'm taking liberty. The word is, you are God's workmanship. But you turn to somebody and just tell them, you're some kind of work. <laughs> See, we're God's address on earth. You are God's address on earth. When you walk into a room, God walks into the room. <clears throat> you don't need to ask God to bless. You brought the blessing. There's nothing wrong with praying. I just want you to get that mindset. See, if you operate out of this place of being the temple, and that in you dwells all of the contents that God wants for the temple perfectly, you are some sort of work made out of gold, then you carry him with you everywhere that you go. See, it's a new day, it's a new hour. Uh, Beverly, if you were, would, verses 7 through 19. Uh, let's all listen real carefully. If we get a chance to throw those up, New International Version, Jerry, maybe you could work on that, and I know that some people... Uh, it helps them to just read along. New International Version. Now we're going to read verses 7 through 19 of chapter 3. So as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested and tried me, though for 40 years they saw what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation. I said their hearts are always going astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today so that none of you may be heartened by sin, sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. As has just been said today, if you hear his voice, do not hearten your hearts, as you did in the rebellion. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for? For 40 years, was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies perished in the wilderness? And to whom did God swear 
that they would never enter his rest if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. Notice what happens first in this passage. It says that they developed a calloused heart. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not. They developed a calloused heart through, verse 19 says, unbelief. At various points in the passage, it seems to indicate that it was disobedience, disobedience against sin, that there's some sort of moral list. But really, that's, that's not the case. There was one issue, and that issue was unbelief. Now, when we talk about wilderness, you know, they went through wilderness. It says they went through wilderness, and in that wilderness, then they disobeyed God. They did not believe God's promise. In the wilderness, they tested God. Well, you know, the Scripture says, think it not strange that you have trials. So I think sometimes because we're Christians, worse yet, those of you that have been raised in the word of faith, now that's not a bad thing, but we take that to extremes and we think we're not ever going to have any tests or trials. What a rude awakening to realize you can love God with all your heart, be in church every Sunday, there on Wednesday night for prayer, love, serve, give, and go through great trials. Think it not strange. Every man is tempted, (laughs) Scripture says. Here's the deal. These trials come as contradictions to what God has promised you, trying to get your mind off of the promise. Every trial, every temptation is a contradiction to what God has promised you. God wants to know whether we'll stay steady and believe him and trust him through the test. And verse 9 here says an interesting interesting thing. They tested God. They wanted to know if God would come through. Now, that's interesting. Isn't that what happened in the garden when Satan came to Eve and said, Now, has God said, Are you really complete? Did God really give you everything you need? Has God said... And that's the same thing that happens to us when we're in the wilderness. First, contradictions to the promise come to get our mind and our focus off of Jesus. Then the enemy will come and he'll begin to question God's promise in your life. Has God said, did he really mean? Are you sure you can count on this from God? Verse 10 says... The problem was that they, they knew my acts, but they didn't know my ways. See, they saw do, God do great miracles. They, saw, they, they witnessed God come in a cloud. They witnessed God roll back the Red Sea. They witnessed walking through it on dry land. They witnessed getting up every morning and there being manna, fresh manna spread all over 
the, the fields where they could just go and pick it up and eat. They witnessed God's provision. They witnessed the supernatural. How many of you are with me? How many of you have seen God's provision? How many of you have seen God do miracles? How many of you have seen God heal? How many of you have seen something supernatural that clearly was God? God did that thing. And yet, in the wilderness, knowing God's acts will not carry you through. You've got to know his ways. Bill Johnson said this in his book, Strengthening Yourself in the Lord, on page 38. There are many people who want to substitute miracles for maturity. I'm going to camp there just for a minute because some of you weren't listening. Listen. There are many people who want to substitute miracles for maturity. Would you say that after me? There are many people who want to substitute miracles for maturity. See, some of you think we haven't had church until you've seen a miracle, till we're swinging from the rafters, till we're running around the room. And I thank God for all of that, but none of it will carry you through the wilderness. You'll continually know his acts, but not be familiar with his ways. You can see people get out of wheelchairs, blind eyes open, money fall out of trees, gold dust fall from the ceiling, as has happened at Bethel Church. Keep in mind who I'm quoting. Keep in mind who I'm quoting. They've seen dust and feathers, Holy Spirit feathers fall in their services. No pigeons in the roof, no. They've checked the ceiling tiles, they're all clean. Now see, some of you would shout. Some of you would say, oh man, God was there. God was there, did you see that? Gold dust, God filled a tooth on five people this morning. Wow, God was in that service. God put a gold tooth in five people this morning. Wow, did you see that person get out of their wheelchair? Glory to God, God was at Genesis this morning. Now see, we'd all go home saying, hallelujah. But then when a service which is just sort of average comes, you know, we're not swinging from the rafters. Nobody gets their teeth filled with gold. Nobody gets up out of the wheelchair. But we just settle in and we learn about God. We learn how to love him. We learn how to love each other. We learn how to be faithful on our jobs. We learn how to take care of our children. Go to small group. Be diligent with life and passionate about Jesus. See, we don't think that's a great service because... All we know is his acts and not his ways. And his acts will not carry you through the wilderness. It's knowing his ways that will take you through the trial and the difficult times. That's what happened to the people here of Israel. So Bill continues. There are many people who want to substitute miracles for maturity. Maturity. Instead of becoming catalysts who release God's power to the world around them, this perspective keeps people imprisoned in the up one day, down the next spiritual experience where every need demands a miracle, prophetic word, or supernatural manifestation. Some of you live there. Every time there's a need, you want a prophecy. Every time there's a need, you want a miracle. I'm quoting Bill Johnson here, the guy who probably has more demonstration of miracles and the supernatural in his church than anybody right now uh, in the United States. 
that we know of. I'm quoting him. He continues, I value all these things and I welcome their vital place in our culture. However, a point needs to come where we discover how to sustain our own breakthrough so that we can ushers, usher others into that place. It's one thing to get a miracle. It's one thing to see a miraculous supernatural provision. It's quite another to learn how by faith to sustain breakthrough and walk in it and then bring others in to that breakthrough, bring others in to that miracle. That is the place of rest that God wants us to live in. Not miracles, not the supernatural as you think of it. He wants us to be naturally supernatural, living in breakthrough because of our faith in the promise that God will do what he said he would do. Today, if you hear his voice, God deals with us in our today. Now faith is. He's promised to never leave you. Forgiveness and presence are streams, not lakes. They never run dry. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They are always on right now. God's far less interested in my past than he is my today. I don't know, maybe I need to come to the black church. I think I'd have you all standing right now. I know, I love preaching, preaching black and being in black churches. My, my pastor was white, but he had almost an all-black congregation. 60, 70% of them were black. He went, uh, went on to the north side of Tulsa, which was all black, and built his congregation. I worshiped in black. We knew black. We knew black music. Loved the gospel. Loved the gospel style of music. Oh, man. So I'm going to repeat that in just, just a hope, just a hope that I'll get a little bit more black out of this thing here. God is far less interested in your past than he is in your today. Woo! Yeah! Oh, no, really. Verse 12 and 13. Now watch this from the mirror translation. Make sure that none of you tolerates the poison of unbelief in your hearts, allowing the callousness to distract and distance you from the living God. Instead, remind one another daily of your true identity. See, it's the deceitfulness of sin. Verse 13 says we, we need to warn each other. Because of the deceitfulness of sin. Now that's not talking about a moral list that you go through your day and check mark and be sure you've obeyed everything. All right. This is talking about back in the garden, the original sin, the definition of sin, which is you're not complete. Has God said you need something else? See, the deceitfulness of sin is that Satan got Adam and Eve to question their identity, question that they were complete, that they would already entered a place of perfect rest 
where God would provide everything. You got to the end of your rope so that God could force you into a place of giving up. Rest. Okay, God. And within days, within weeks of saying, Lord, I am your servant. If you want me to, I'll do it for free. He comes here, leads us in three incredible worship services, and begins to get calls from Compassion International, changing, changing the landscape, bringing him into a place of rest, bringing him into provision like he's never had before. Satan says, you're not complete. You've got to do something to have rest. You've got to perform to be like God. What that was is really a throwback to the law. Satan was trying to get them to go back to the law. Verse 19. Watch this because this is key. Verse 19. They were not able. Put it up on the screen. They were not able to enter. Say it with me. They were not able to enter because of their unbelief. God's invitation doesn't exclude anybody from possessing the promise of rest. Our unbelief does. Even though we believe a lie about ourselves, that doesn't stop God believing in us. Isn't that good? How how life-giving is it to see Jeff Bazook back up here on the piano? See? How life-giving is that? Satan tries to get us to give up on the revelation of rest. He tries to get us to give up and move in back into the law and unbelief. That's what he attempted to do when the 12 spies went to spy out Canaan. You, you know, remember the little song? Twelve men went to spy on Canaan. Ten were bad and two were good. What did they see when they spied on Canaan? Ten were bad and two were good. Some saw giants big and tall. Some saw grapes and clusters fall. Some saw God was... That's after grapes. Oh, you're right. I'm wrong. Whoa, whoa, I want to hear that again. What? I'm, I'm sorry, I... My mic went out. What? I said it once. That was enough. <laughs> you got to take notes. <laughs> Go on. Some saw... What was the first one? No, that's second. Hey, I thought we just Some saw, I'm sorry, some saw giants big and tall, some saw grapes in clusters fall, some saw God was in it all, ten were bad and two were good. Remember the story? And because ten brought back an evil report, the entire nation of people were sent back to a place of being out of rest, out of God's provision, and they had to wander in the desert, the wilderness, for 40 years. Do you know how long it takes to cross that area? 
after you get through the Red Sea and over to where they landed after they walked through the Red Sea and the edge of the wilderness and and they had to go through the wilderness. You know how long it takes to cross that area of the desert in that part of the world on foot? Seven days. Seven days is all it takes to walk that part of the desert. They spent 40 years there because they would not believe and they got into doubt and fear because of the giants. We see giants. No, there's grapes like... We are like grasshoppers. Numbers chapter 13, verse 33. We were like grasshoppers in our own sight and thus we were to them. How you see yourself, whether you see yourself already in his rest and provision or that you have to perform and do works of the law will either keep you in the wilderness, do another lap, go another year, or it will see you through your trial and temptation in the space of just a few days, just a few weeks. It won't take long. Francois Dutois in his translation of the Mirror Bible says this regarding verse 19. You can experience God's supernatural provision and protection and yet remain outside his rest. The ultimate proof of faith is not experience of the supernatural but entering into God's rest. <laughs> 